Hi, this is Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and this is another episode of The Tingle Zone. In this episode, I'm talking with Kay Suthar, a business strategist, award-winning author and professional speaker. Kay started off life wanting to be a superhero, which, in the real world, led to her joining the police force. Health issues forced her to retire, at which point an opportunity arose to move into politics, helping with election campaigns. From there, events, sales and marketing became the focus and a position in Costa Rica appeared and disappeared the moment she arrived, leaving us stuck in the country with no job, no home and no money. Kay's story demonstrates her natural problem-solving skills, her adaptability and her underlying drive and determination. In our conversation, we discuss such topics as the importance of taking action in difficult situations, how we've been misled to believe that stress is part of the job, and the critical difference between advice and opinion. Kay also demonstrates how asking questions is the true path to success. Oh, and make sure you listen right to the end of the podcast as Kay points out some really useful free resources that are available to you all. Before we jump into the interview, if not already done so, please have a listen of my TEDx talk. If you go to my website, businessenjoyment.com, a pop-up will appear giving you direct access. This talk sets out my ethos that life and business is about so much more than just money and sets out how you can be successful and happy at the same time. So do check that out, but for now, sit back, relax, be more curious, and most of all, enjoy. Okay, so my name is Kay Sutha. Um, oh my goodness, and where do I start? So I'm also I'm an award-winning author. Um, the Queen of England actually does have a copy of my book in her private royal library, and I'm like, oh my goodness, that's such a huge win, right? I'm also coach people on my Uncensored Society program on business, which actually um, we kind of focus on five main um, areas of business, which is sales, marketing, finance, operations, and leadership. And so the reason why it's called Uncensored Society is when I was working in live events doing um, back of room closing um, of, of sales, um, I realized that there was a, back, a gap in the industry. And what that was, was that there's too many consultants and coaches out there telling people that, you know what, it's going to be all right. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. It's going to work itself out. And I'm like, holy crap, it's not going to work itself out unless you do something about it, right? And so I am that person, that coach that I guess people might dread, but in the end love to have because I'm about getting people the results. And if it means I need to be straight with you, I need to be raw with you, I need to be real with you and tell you where you're going wrong and you better get your act together, then I'm going to tell you that because I'm about getting those results. Mm. Um, and what people need to understand is that in order to reach the results, you got to make, you, you can't have dreams. Dreams are good, but dreams are dreams. You got to turn your dreams into obligations. The minute you turn your dreams to obligations, you have no excuse not to achieve those obligations, right? And so 
yeah some people might cry it's gonna happen at some point but then you come to a realization that I'm actually doing this for your good you know you've got to be cruel to be kind is what they say sometimes and I'm that person I'm also a podcaster I have um, a podcast called Uncensored Society Podcast again that's all about business around the five main pillars of business business that are already mentioned um so definitely go and listen to that um oh god I also have a podcast editing agency as well, because um, I realized that a lot of people, you know, they want to start a podcast, but they're not IT experts. They don't have to do, know how to do editing. And just like me, I had no idea. But guess what? I don't want to know. I don't want to learn how to do that stuff either, because it takes 10,000 hours to master a skill. And would I really want to take those hours and learn a new skill? Or would I want to use those hours and know what I can do and start making money with those hours? right and so I decided to create a podcast editing agency that helps people out so they don't have to worry um it gets all done for them and it allows them to scale their podcast as well so you're not spending so much time and energy doing it all yourself and Andrew you probably know a lot about that as well you probably experienced that too um (laughs) and in a nutshell that's what I do (laughs) that's one big nutshell (laughs) there's a lot going on there and uh, just to pick up on a couple of things before we sort of dive in deep. First, I've just got this image of the Queen with your book on a bedside table and they're putting her glasses on at night and think <laughs> <laughs> that's where I went with that. Um, but no, the, the, I love the, the, the thing you talk about in terms of not making life too rosy. And, and I totally get that because, you know, what I try to get across with business enjoyment is that's the outcome we want to get. Um, but the truth of the matter is life is shit. <laughs> the other day we we are faced with hurdles and challenges all the time and it's not about creating a perfect world it's about how we react and deal with the challenges and the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that come our way yeah Um, i gotta tell you there's been times when i'm like okay this is shit i give up i give up on life i'm not doing this anymore right (laughs) it happens we're human beings um but then you gotta just kind of you know shrug it off and just get on with your day keep going um until you kind of get to your goals that you want to reach and what I've learned the most is every time I reach one goal my next goal my next um, obligation gets even bigger and wider right so you're never ever stopping there's never any limits you just keep going on to the next to see what more are you actually capable of yeah you know and and is it there, there is no limit that's the thing um so Let's find out. So, because you've talked a lot of things there in terms of obviously what you give covers large areas of business. You touched on the the live events uh, areas that you got in. So, what brought you to to this point here? What's your journey to with? Well, there's a lot of experience that's going on there. There's a lot of things going on. What's uh, where have you come from? Where have I come from? I've actually come from the corporate world, right? Before I actually stepped into the business industry and learning what entrepreneur really means. Um, I was actually a police officer in London, right? Um, and, and chasing bad guys. Yeah, what a lot of people don't see uh, on screen or, you know, or just listening to my voice that I'm actually only four four eleven, right? So when I told people I've actually applied to become a police officer, do you know what they told me? They said to me, they'll never accept you, right? It's not gonna happen. Like, you're too small. They're not going to put you out on the street. There's no way they're going to accept you. And every time someone told me I couldn't do something, it's like they lit a fire up my ass and I'm like, I want to prove that I can do it, right? 
Yeah. 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 Right. I I felt like I've got super powers. I don't know what they are. It'd be great if I could fly, but I can't. But well, yeah, I wanted to grow up to be a you know a superhero. And so it was almost like me joining the police force, I was able to live that out and be the good guy and catch the bad guys. Right. Um and so I was like, oh, this is pretty cool. And it was all, almost like I was living in this fairy tale world where life will be perfect because I can catch these bad guys and I'll be the superhero. Um, and then I'll get, you know, handcuffed and a baton and all this good stuff, right? And um, what, what age is this forming, by the way? I'm intrigued. <laughs> the, the superhero in my early 20s, right? So I just finished uni um I did law and criminology I studied law and criminology first I kind of dabbled in law and worked in a magistrate's court and <laughs> realized that that wasn't for me very quickly because when I went into court and I was listening to these stories these things these cases that were going on and they were getting away with it mm. and I'm going hold on a second one minute how can this guy who was found in possession of indecent photos of children get a £4,000 fine and that's it? Like, it just boggled me. And I was like, this isn't justice. This isn't, this isn't right. It doesn't make any sense to me. And so I quit that. And in fact, my supervisor was like, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you're looking into a different career. Because I used to go home mad right because it just didn't make sense to me don't go into and, the legal system if you want the, to, to come across fairness and justice yeah. <laughs> right. it's about what evidence you can find and how you can wangle it it's, right and so then i started looking online seeing what else is out there what else can i do and it happened to be that they were recruiting for police officers right in a huge way there was a huge campaign going out and i actually applied as a complete joke to okay. be right <laughs> I was like, oh, let me just fill in the form. Nothing's going to come of it, right? It's like, and so I filled in the form, sent it out. A few weeks later, they said to me that your first assessment um, was accepted and they want me to now come in to do further assessments, which meant role plays. It means um, writing a letter to the commissioner. You know, they want to, to kind of find out my basic skills and how I would handle things. And I was like, mom, should I go? Like, I wasn't even expecting this. And she was like, go and see what it's like. You know, if you don't get it, you don't get it. So I'm like, okay, it was a whole day thing, right? And there was hundreds of people. And I actually had to go to um, the, the police academy in North London, where they do the training, right, for this. And it was the most intense interview I've ever been to never experienced anything like it and so I mean we had to do assessments right role plays and they'll literally say right stand in front of that door as soon as the alarm goes you walk in now you don't know what's happening behind this door right whatever it is you got to deal with it 
So I walked in. Again, I'm four foot eleven. I had this guy in front of me that was seven foot screaming and shouting at me. I look around the corner and there's a lady assessing with a um, stopwatch, right? Basically seeing how quick I can calm this massive guy down, right? And so I was like, holy crap, okay. Eventually I got him to calm down, to sit down. I took a statement from him, find out what was going on, all this good stuff. And then eventually the alarm went and I was able to walk back out. And I was like, thank God for that. There was another role play I had to do. They're like, now go stand in front of that door. And I was like, right, I'm ready for this now. And then I walked in and it was a complete opposite. I had a woman crying, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness. And I'm not good with criers, right? Not at all. And so again, she lost her child at a shopping mall. And so she was crying because she can't find her kid. And so I had to get a description of him. Where was the last time she, she was with him and all this stuff and you know, find out who who else was around there, witness statements, all this stuff. And then again, the buzzer went and walked out of the room, right? That was just one part of it. It was a whole day thing, Andrew. This is this is without any hints or training. It's just to see what your natural... Yeah, exactly. Are, how to calm somebody down. Yeah, wow. Right? And then you have the one-on-one interview. Yeah. And even that was strange, right? So they... Tell me, tell me had good cop and bad cop. Come on. <laughs> So, you know what? I've got to get to that. That came the physical, right? The physical. This was just like the basic one, the basic all day one. And I didn't even think I passed because it was so intense. I was so worn out by the end of it because it took just takes so much out of you physically, mentally. I was done. I was like, at the end, I was like not even caring what happens, right? And then um, anyway, a few weeks went past. And then the similar saying, oh, yeah, you, you passed your first day assessment. I'm like, what? OK, they're like, we're now going to invite you for day two. <laughs> right, OK. And I was like, OK, what does day two consist of? It's the entire physical, right? So they test your ears, your eyesight. You know, they take a swab check to make sure you're not on any drugs of any kind. And, you know, you got to do the running and you got to pick up got to pick up 35 kg at that time i myself weighed 70 kg so that's half of my weight right and so they gave you a few weeks to train up and i was at the gym like every day right like running on the treadmill picking up weights and all this stuff and i remember i went to my day two i did the running the running was all good right past that is the bleep test right so the bleep gets faster and faster and you get tighter and tighter right but past that it came to the weights when it came to the weights i was struggling to pick up 35 kgs i wasn't able to do it they gave me three attempts right and in the end i was the only one that failed in that class everyone else passed and I was feeling so shitty and in fact we had these female officers there and um I mean they're more like wrestlers they, they were like huge women with muscles like you know they're walking around you don't want to mess with these ladies and so everybody was dismissed and she goes you you got to stay behind and I'm like oh great I feel like I'm like in the teacher's class I'm going to get told off right 
And so I stayed behind. She waited until everyone else left. And she goes, you're going to do this again. I'm like, okay. And then she jumped down my throat telling me how pathetic I am how the hell am I going to be able to go on the streets if I can't even do this right and she got in my face and I was fuming at this point but I knew I couldn't punch her because I would get arrested in the end right like I had to take it and she was just yelling and screaming and telling me how like I'm just worthless and that how anyone going to take me seriously and all of this and then she goes to me stop she tapped me on the shoulder, she goes, stop. So, okay, and she goes, look at your screen. So I looked, she goes, you passed. And I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like, she clearly knew my trigger, right? She was pushing me. I passed and the next minute I was getting suited and booted for a uniform. Wow. And I was like, well, I guess this is what I'm gonna be doing. And do you know what, were they just trying to test your resilience effectively and, and, and how you cope with failure kind of um i found once i joined the force that people that recruit they get very they know very quickly on what the triggers are on new recruits mm. right how to train them um what to say what not to say how much someone can take and i guess you picked up very quickly that even though i am quiet i am small that if she pissed me off and i was annoyed enough that I'll end up pushing myself mm. and it's funny because I found that at those points where I am so annoyed that's where I've actually made drastic change in my journey and was like screw this I'm gonna freaking do it I don't give a toss anymore like it's happening right and that's where change has happened where I've been very much that blase, oh, don't worry, I'll do it again next time. You know, it will happen when it happens. There hasn't been much change. Mm. So that's the biggest thing that I've learned about myself, that someone screams and shouts to me that some, there, there's something that's going to happen. There's going to be change. And it's funny because as, as annoying or crazy as this sounds, the, the mentors that I've picked have been exactly that, like that police officer, right? And they don't ever hold back. Mm. They tell me how it is. I've been told, okay, you know what? You got your head in your ass, get out of it, right? And they've been very straight. And I work well with mentors like that. A lot of people don't like it, right? But I work well. Mm. And hence where uncensored society came from because that's what i need and i realize there's others that need the same too yeah 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 and that's where your style comes from um and, and have, have you ever had a situation where you got angered and fired up and made change and you made the wrong decision or is your instincts always taking you down the right route no every time that's happened is always taking me down the right route something good like even better than what i thought has come out of it or is it a case of it doesn't matter what route you take, you can always make it good? That too. I mean, I got to a point where in 2017, I moved to Costa Rica of an opportunity that I got, right? And this was helping out a company um, to do back of room sales, right? And guess what? It was 
all expenses paid for. They paid for my own apartment. I had my own chauffeur to take me to my apartment to bring me to the resort. They, they you know, had this resort where they did the mastermind events. Like there, there were big sales going on, you know, paid for my food. It was a beach resort, had a swimming pool. Like I could not ask for more. They paid for my flights, like everything. And I'm like, holy crap, like I am on top of my game now. Like it can't get any better than this. I was in Costa Rica for three weeks. The company then shut down, which meant I was evicted from my apartment. There was no food and water. And now I'm in this foreign country. I don't speak the language and I'm homeless. And I remember sitting there in front of my laptop and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> I like, this is the most ridiculous situation to happen on a click of a finger. And as I looked across the room and I saw my other co-workers, they were ripping out their hair, they were crying, they were stressed out, they were frustrated. And they're looking at me like, why the hell are you crying? Do you not realize what's just happened? I was like, yeah, I do realize what's happened. That's why I, I can't stop laughing. Because when I think about the Tony Robbins of the world, the Les Browns of the world, they were all homeless at one point. And guess what? Now they're multi-millionaires. So I'm like, so clearly I'm going to be a millionaire now. Right? This is it. This is my story right here. I can go on stage. Right. Exactly. You know? So, so with that kind of perspective, and because I did have that perspective, I found that instead of being in that negative emotional state where you can't come up with a solution, you can't figure it out because it's all foggy, I was able to get creative, think outside the box and work out how the hell I'm going to get out of this situation. And so what I've learned was whilst being at these events these events were all business events i met so many gurus so many leaders so many experts talking about different aspects of business mm. and i'm in the back of the room but i'm not just sitting there i'm soaking as much of it as i can in right and so when this happened this resort was still up it, the resort itself wasn't shut down although the business was because apparently it was set up as a different entity mm-hmm. but the main business that was shut down was feeding it, feeding it clients, bringing the money in, right? But now it wasn't doing that. They still had staff to pay. They still had bills to pay, right? Yeah, How paying, they... paying for your flights and your hotel and all the food you're having, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. And so, but all that stopped. I lost $20,000 just like that yeah. overnight, the minute that company shut down, right? And so I went up to the resort manager, and I said to her, you still got staff to pay. You still got bills to pay. They're not going to stop, right? And I go, you got no way of making money right now. And I said to her, I know how to bring leads in. I know how to market. I know how to create stuff online. You don't need a photographer. I can show you the ways on how you can do this so you can still promote this resort, bring clients in without having to spend any money. And I go, in return... I need food, water, and shelter because now you've got loads of rooms that are not being filled. <laughs> the food is going off if you don't cook it anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> right? And so she goes, okay, agreed. Because she didn't know how to do any of this stuff. Right? So I was like, I am awesome. 
And then I decided, hold on a second, I can take this a little further. There's other hotels, restaurants on the coast itself. And I started going to them too, saying, I can do the same thing for you. Let me help you out, right? But, and then just asking for a little bit of money so I can then raise the money to get a ticket back home, right? And I did that for about a month and I was able to make sure I had food, make sure I had drink, had shelter, raise money, right? And get a flight back home and did that all within a month. Yeah. If I was stressed out, if I blamed other people, if I blamed the company, the CEO, there's no way. I'll probably still be there. Mm. Yeah. If you, right? if, you, if, you, if you stick into that victim mode, you stay a victim. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, so I mean, then I got to a point, if I can get over that, then COVID, bring it on, right? <laughs> so just to, just to check, when you, when you made the offer about, um, you know, going online and bringing people in, was that based on knowledge that, yes, you could do that, or were you kind of winging it as well on that front? I mean, had you learned that where, you know, if you'd learned it, where'd that come from? Was that from all the courses that you'd been on and you'd seen or? Yeah, that was from the experts, the the people that were actually speaking on these stages that were talking about stuff. So standing at the back, absorbing the information, learning it, and then applying it to the people that- is Exactly. Left. That were just there and weren't listening or applying or doing anything with this information that was right there, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, so that's what um, I to just bridge the gap to, to, to come into the Costa Rica, were you was that straight from the police force? Was it a step from one no, to the no, other? No, no. So that happened gradually, right? So after um, the police force, I had a health scare. And I found, again, I noticed that every time I had to change course, change direction, there was some sort of a health scare that I had. Before you made the change or after you made the change? But the my journey to changing mm. right and so first of all before i even joined the police force i was an mma fighter right i like beating the shit out of people it's so much fun and so i did a lot of training i loved doing what i was doing i had my first fight in thailand so excited trained even harder and then i ended up in hospital and I'm like, holy crap, what is going on? Like, I found my career. This is what I love to do. I want to do this, right? I ended up in hospital, had all these checks and everything done, and basically was told by the doctors that if I carry on doing this, if I carry on fighting, then I'm going to end up paralyzed because what I didn't know is that my entire spine had all come out of place. And so that scared me. And so I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I've got to figure something else out, right? And then looked at going to magistrate's court, policing, all that then happened. I was in the police force for about six and a half years until I got my next health scare, right? And it was so funny because I thought, if anything, it would be when I'm in the line of duty that yeah. something happens, right? But no, here what happened is I went to sleep one night, perfectly fine, woke up the next morning, jumped in the shower. As soon as the hot water touched my skin, my entire skin started burning. And so I jumped out, run in front of the mirror, and found my entire body come out in a rash overnight. Wow. Don't know what happened because I was fine when I went to sleep. And so I remember calling up my friend whose mum is a nurse and telling her, and she goes to me, get to the hospital now. And I'm like, why? What's going on? She goes, just get to the hospital now. So my brother drove me to the hospital, had all these tests done. I remember sitting in the consultation room waiting for the doctor to give me my results. And he opened the door 
took one step in, looked straight at me and said to me, you were lucky to get here when you did. And I'm like, what do you mean? What's going on here? And he goes, if you didn't get here when you did, your throat would have closed up. And I'm like, how? How did this even happen? Where did this come from? And so he said to me that this form of rash <clears throat> is brought on by having high amounts of stress in the body, right? Mentally, physically. And that made sense because as a police officer, this happens to you day in, day out. You can't get away from it. Mm. Plus, it's such a negative environment to be in. There's nothing positive about it. The only positive thing is that you caught, caught the bad guy, and that isn't necessarily positive, no. right? You probably don't see it after that, and then you hear they get off by the lawyers that you used to be right. with. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And so I was like, okay, I've got to quit this. Mm. And, and this, this is really, sorry, this is very interesting. So when, when before the rash happened, you know, in retrospect, you're looking back and say, yeah, I'm in a stressful situation, but, but, but it's part of the job. So if someone were to talk to you the day before, for example, would, and say, are you stressed? How would you have responded? I would have said no. Mm. I didn't feel like I was stressed. Mm. Right. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I moaned a lot and complained about my job, but I didn't think that my body or I was stressed. Because mm. I think this is, for me, this is an important point. And the reason I say this is because there's obviously the last year or so more there's been a lot more talk about um don't keep quiet it's okay to not be okay talk to somebody talk to somebody and i believe that most people in a stress situation don't realize it yeah so right. having all those things available to you which are great not knocking them but seeing an advert saying make sure you talk to somebody you go yeah well, i don't need to because <laughs> i'm okay right. exactly you don't know it and you know what is stress is a silent killer mm. it creeps up on you slow it doesn't happen overnight it slowly builds up and because I guess it's a slow build you don't notice it you don't notice how much more you're getting annoyed you don't know how much more you know stress or even how much of it's taken out of you emotionally right and you just think oh that's just normal it's part of the job yeah exactly we give up we we, we accept it um because we've been taught to tolerate exactly right with, with hindsight can you see clues of any sort can you see your body giving you sort of signals or the i think the only thing that i was noticing um but i don't know if this was stress it could be part of stress is that i was putting more weight on mm. more and more weight on right but i don't know if that was just me eating because of the emotion that was you know physically draining me or if it was just that um as a police officer you just got to just find food whenever you can because when you're called you just got to run yeah. right there's been so many times where uh, you know i've got like a sandwich or uh, a kfc meal or a kebab and i've had to throw it on the floor and just like run to the next call you know and so i guess it was like not being able to take care of yourself in that situation because it's just, it's really, really hard to, you know, virtually impossible to, you know, if you bring food from home, you can bring a sandwich, but forget about bringing a hot food because find a microwave, good luck with that, right? <laughs> I mean, so, I mean, I guess there were changes, but not changes where I thought it's got to be stress. Mm. I just thought- yeah, Obviously not the time, it's just wondering whether, because the, 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 there's, there's, 
knowing how we react to certain things and, and being understanding the clues as to how we react to things are useful for the future when we're in the same situation. That's the key. Mm. And, I mean, oh. the only thing that I guess was really bugging me was politics. There's so much politics in, in policing, right? With, with any job, I guess, in any corporate job. Mm. Um, and the changes were that we've got to work more, harder, more hours with less pay. I think a lot of people are familiar with that one. <laughs> Isn't that just the uh, the corporate mantra at the moment? But yeah, you know, a lot of changes happen not for the good, and then you know, Theresa May was the big was the big kind of per the, the person that made these changes that people weren't happy with, right? And so, I mean, there was a lot of all of that talk and you know, a lot of changes that were happening, a lot of politics. And I guess that may have, probably did have a lot to do with it, but I just didn't realize it, mm. you know? Um, and because I guess it's just things that are happening that are just totally out of your control. And in the police force, you can't go to a union. You can't go to a union and complain, right? It's, it's something that has to be done by the, the federal government right where they have to then pass a bill and change the law <laughs> for, for anything like that to happen so it's like so where do you go what do you do how do you get help you can't mm. you know with right. any nine to five office job you got loads of employment unions that you can go to to fight your case with the police force you can't mm. it's uh stay put up with it or get out yeah and then I guess my health scare was the one thing that told me it's time for you to go now. Like, this is take, you know, and so I didn't have a, a plan. I didn't I didn't know what I was going to do because I wasn't expecting this. I thought I'll be doing this until I retire. And so then after the police force, um, I, I did a silly move. I made a silly, silly move. I was op offered an opportunity to work in politics. OK interesting shift yeah. <laughs> where well, you can actually make the changes that have frustrated you all in the past for <laughs> right and again right this was completely by accident i didn't apply i didn't do any of this stuff my friend basically said to me she goes okay i've got an event in central london come down network meet people and i was like do you know what I can't be bothered. I don't want to speak to anyone. I'm not in the mood. I want to be left alone. Like I've quit my policing job. And that's it. And she's like, look, just come down, meet people. And if you don't like it, then just leave. So I was like, all right, all right. Let me come down there. I went down there. And first thing I did was walk to the bar and ordered a drink, right? Because that's what you do. <laughs> and as I'm looking around, I felt so uncomfortable because there was people suited and booted. You got bankers, you got accountants. And I'm like, this really isn't my scene, right? So I stayed there at the bar and then I had this guy come along and started talking to me and I'm like, oh my God, here we go again. Another chat up line, right? And so... I continued talking to him, but it was really strange because the questions he was asking me was things like, you know, what are your experiences? What are you qualified in? You know, what are your skills? And I'm answering all of these questions. And I'm like, hold on a second, one moment. I, who are you? <laughs> you interviewing me. I don't even know your name. <laughs> or, or what kind of a chat line is this? Right. And he goes to me, oh, he goes, I work for a member of parliament and I would love for you to be on my team. And I'm like, what? 
And he goes, yeah, I think you'll be great as my campaign manager. And I'm like, I've never done anything like this. He goes, no, but the skills that you have. And he goes, I can see by talking with you that, you know, you're someone that doesn't give up. You strive to be the best. And he goes, you can clearly you're you're you should be in a leadership role because you was a police officer, right? You have those skills that I'm looking for. And just because you haven't been a campaign manager doesn't mean you can't do it. And I'm like, huh, interesting. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. I'm not doing anything else, right? Well, that's a commitment. <laughs> and guess what? I was actually working with Liberal Democrat uh, under Nick Clegg at that time, right? And so I was going to these question times and you know, it was during the elections, right? And helping them with a campaign and all this good stuff. And then I remember um, this guy, he came up to me and he goes to me, you know, when we win the election, he goes, I want you to come on the team full time. And I, I started laughing. I was like, you guys ain't going to win. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you want to hear from your campaign manager, isn't it? <laughs> I'm being honest with you, right? It's like, like go out to the people, right? They, you know, the people, they're talking about labor. They want labor, labor this and labor that, because this is what your audience is right? Especially in these particular areas, Wardenstone and all these other places that we're hitting up. All they want to know is about labour. And stories will be harsh, but it's not going to happen. And I was just told, you know, I need to come out this negative <laughs> mindset that I'm in and be more positive and all this kind of stuff. And so, and then I said to him, I go, besides, you can't afford me. He's like, what? I was like, you can't afford me. Because uh, I really didn't want that job. I did not want to go into politics full time. I didn't want it, right? And so he goes, what do you mean? Right? He goes to me, we're going to give you 30 days annual leave. You'll be on 30K a year. And I was like, I want 50. Right? And he was like, well, uh, I go, like I said, you can't afford me. Right? <laughs> it's not going to happen. Anyway, Liberal Democrat didn't win. <laughs> we noticed that, yeah. <laughs> that was that. And then um, I remember, now there's a pattern here. Um, I had a personal trainer. And because uh, I, I kind of put on loads of weight, I was like, I've got to do something about this. Had a personal trainer. And um, she goes to me, have you ever been to a seminar? And I'm like, like I go to like uni, a seminar like that. She was like, no, no, like, you know, when people speak on stage and they talk about a, sp a specific topic. And I was like, no. And she was like, would you like to go? I was like, I'll check it out. And she was like, great, there's one about mindset. Right, and I'm like, mind who? <laughs> what do you mean mindset? Like, my mind's fine, you know? And she was like, no, it's all about mindset, you know, and how it affects the body, this, that, the other. And it was a Dr. Demartini mm -hmm. event, right? Yeah. Never been to one, first time I've been to one. And went there, it was okay. It was okay, right? And she goes to me and she goes, um, I've got a friend, right? She goes, that I would like to invite, do you mind? I was like, no, 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 more the merrier. And so her friend came along, met her, spoke to her, um, and we got on like a house on fire. And again, it started. What's your experience? What jobs have you done? What's your skills? What would you like to do, right? And I'm like, oh my goodness, this is familiar. And so I answered all of the questions. And at that point, I realized I wanted to get into events. Keeping in mind, I have no qualifications, no experience in events, right? 
but this is what I wanted to do because I was like this is so much more positive environment to be in and you can learn so much more you connect with different people on a positive um note and I was like that's what I want to do and she goes oh that's interesting I go why is that and she goes well I'm working with a company and they're building out the events department you'll be great to join the team and I'm like really I was like who just offers someone a job like that? It never, ever happens, right? And I'm thinking, well, it happened to me once, right? And that worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so she goes to me, we have an event in London in a couple of weeks. Why don't you come down? She took my number and everything. And honestly, I was like, I'm never going to hear from this person again. It's never going to happen, right? Uh, a week went and she messaged me and she goes to me, yeah, this is the address. This is the hotel it's going to be held at. Um, management are also going to be there. Come down, check it out, meet the team. So again, I was like, I ain't got nothing to lose. Let's go down there. Went down there and realized it was actually an American company. People flew down from America, right? And so now you, they've got this Brit that they're talking to and guess what? They completely fell in love, right? <laughs> We started talking about British soaps. Um, we just started talking about, you know, how our language is so different to the American language and all this kind of stuff. I was speaking to the manager for four hours straight. <laughs> right. And then he goes to me. Awesome. I'm going to call the CEO and tell him that we're going to hire you to head up the events um, department. I'm like, what? I'm like, you do realize I've never done this. I've got no qualifications in there. They're like, are you willing to learn? I'm like, yeah, of course I am. They go, well, that's what we need to hear. And I'm like, holy crap. Okay. So now I'm the first person that's been recruited in the events team and they're trying to build it out. It was amazing. It was amazing. I learned everything by learning on the job, right? Having no background in this. And I remember my manager calling me up after we got all the paperwork done on the books all done he goes to me what are you doing in two days I go well I haven't got anything planned why he goes great because you need to pack your bags because you got your first event in Malaysia you got to be there in two days I'm like what I go well, what about flights what about hotels well, you know, how does all that work and they're like don't worry about it the company going to sort that out just make sure you're at the airport and so from that time, I was living out of a suitcase for five years, right? Going from country to country to city. And do you know what? A lot of people don't like living out of a suitcase, but I found my thing. I was like, I freaking love this, right? I don't like being in one spot for too long. I saw so much. I met so many people, traveled the world. It was amazing. Within four months of that company, um, I became event manager, right? Um, and then I decided, hmm, I want to learn sales. I'm seeing all these people doing it, right? I was just the event man manager. You're, you're, you're coordinating them on the day, making sure everyone's doing the right things, project exactly. managing. Yeah, liaising with a hotel and all that stuff. And I was like, I want to learn sales. And I told my manager. And he was like, I was waiting for you to come and ask me about that. <laughs> I'm like, what? He goes, he goes, you've got it in you. You just need to be trained. And what, what was it in you that said, I want to do sales? Um, number one, I was seeing all these other people doing sales. And when I found out how much money they made, I'm like, holy crap, I want a piece of that pie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? 
And so I, I'm not, I'm not going to hide away from it, but money does motivate me. I love money, right? I'm not being greedy. I will earn my way. I will learn what I have to learn. Um, but I love money, right? Only because I like to travel. I like the, the lavish lifestyle. And in order to do that, you've got to generate enough money. Mm. Yeah, and it's, for, so, it's for a purpose, for a reason. It's not just for the sake of it. No, exactly. And so um, I, I was then doing, you know, small sales, hundred dollars for 497 you know doing front end sales and then I gradually got better and better and better and then started doing back of room high ticket sales right and selling those sixty thousand dollar packages the hundred thousand dollar packages and eventually within a year year and a half I became the number one salesperson in the company do you know what that doesn't surprise me And then I had the manager get on the phone and he's like, how are you doing this? I'm like, doing what? He goes, we've got people on the team that come from events, that come from, you know, sales, but they're not producing as much as you are. What are you doing? And I'm like, I'm seriously not doing anything. I'm asking questions. Um, I'm learning from you. If I don't understand anything, I, I'm not scared of asking. And he goes, you know what? He goes, you are the only one on the team that actually asks questions. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there you go. Right. And also I said to him, you got to remember, I come from, a, I, I've got, there's a blank canvas, right? I come from the policing side, right? Where I don't have anything else to compare this to. Like, this is the best thing ever for me where everyone else has worked with different companies. They're saying, oh, well, I got paid more at this company. Oh, I've got my own room at this company. Oh, they did it this way in this company, right? They didn't appreciate what they had. Mm, yeah, yeah. Right? And so because I progressed and became like the number one salesperson in the company, that's when the CEO kind of approached me and said to me, um, I've got an opportunity for you. We've opened up this resort in Costa Rica. We're doing this mind, uh, mastermind events over there. And I want you to go down and be part of the team. Mm. And I'm like, amazing. And then it went all terribly wrong after that. <laughs> but, it don't, but it makes sense now because with what you you took, because when you're making that offer to the hotel people, it's sort of like now I understand all that that's come behind it. And and you know, the, I just made a note on I mean, things here is is you know I think right from the start you were pretty fearless. You know, even before you were doing MMA and this sort of stuff, that's that's not somebody for people that's scared, but. You know, the police forces is certainly not a place to hide. You know, you've 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 got. Oh, you're not gonna have any inhibitions are you <laughs> they've been stripped away long back <laughs> so yeah i can see it. it's just a case of just just go for it absolutely and the thing is what people also need to realize is that you don't need to have it all planned out you don't have to have it all figured mm. out at all right i didn't like when people ask me what i want to be when i grew up i told them a superhero like <laughs> you know and people are like oh my god when is she gonna like start thinking reality and come into this real world you know or they'll ask me that question and I'll, and I'll turn around and say I'm gonna be rich you know how any of that was gonna happen I had no idea and so most of my 20s I went from job to job to job to job right because I didn't know what it was I wanted to do I was trying to figure it all out and so and most of the th- jobs that I had I'm not qualified or had any experience in it at all. Mm. None, right? And so, like, I went I worked in the magistrate's court. I worked as an interpreter for deaf children because I did sign language. I was a hairdresser. 
oh that was terrible because I realized I like cutting people's hair the way I want to not the way they want me to right so that didn't work out at all um and and so there was just so many different things one being completely different to the other you know um but I guess you need that you need to go through that journey to find out what it is that you like um how much you will tolerate what your capabilities are and the number one thing that I learned was that I can be really flexible, can be really adaptable, and that I was always up for a challenge. I wanted to be outside my comfort zone because I get bored very quickly. Like, all right, I, lo- I know how to do this. What's next? Right. And if you don't keep challenging me and keeping me on my toes, I'm gonna I'm gonna end up leaving. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna disappear, I'm gonna get bored. Yeah. Or even worse, just not show up. Right. <laughs> I mean, the, the other things in there, I mean, like your, your your political campaign, you said, oh, that was a, a bad move, that was a disaster. But actually, as you alluded to there, you needed to do that to know you didn't want to do that and yeah. create that contrast. And I mean, I've spent a lot of um, kids at sort of university and that's, so there's so much pressure on children at various ages to, to do something and they think they're going to be stuck in it. Whereas the truth is, exactly as you said, you've got to experience and do different things to know what you like and what you don't like. Because we haven't got a clue when we start off. No. No one's programmed into doing something. Before I actually moved to um, Costa Rica, I was actually living in Bali. I lived in Bali for two years, right? Um, Because what I learned is that a lot of the events that happen in Australia, Singapore, Malay, all of that, especially Singapore, oh my God, there's so much money there. Like every time we had an event in Singapore, we cleaned up, right? And I was like, I'm going to move on that side of the world because I want to be at those events, right? And um, it was funny because coming from an Indian background, right, my culture, um, you don't move out of your parents' home until you get married. Mm. that's not the thing to do and so when I decided that I was going to move to Bali and to be fair it was on my mind for about a year that I want to move I want to move I want to move I want to move somewhere where there was sun and you know palm trees and a beach around the corner right and so I remember I decided I was like I want to move to Bali and I told my parents yeah I was like oh yeah by the way I'm moving they were like Oh, okay, where are you moving to? Like they thought I was gonna move like two roads down or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, I'm moving to Bali. And they go, where's that? Right? And I go, oh, like near Australia. They're like, that's on the other side of the world. I'm like, yeah, that's right. And they're like, you're not gonna be able to survive. My parents were telling me, I'm not gonna be able to cope. I'm not gonna be able to survive right and they told me if we give you a month you're going to come running back so now I'm even more determined <laughs> all right to show them that I can do this now we'll figure this out mm. and so I actually moved out and lived in Bali for two years and then moved to Costa Rica when all of that went kaput I never told my parents for that same reason because they were like, you won't be able to cope. (laughs) We said a month, it took six years, but hey, we're still right. (laughs) Right? And so I never told them, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And that's why I came up with that solution. And I didn't actually tell them until I got my flight back to the UK. Why I went back to the UK is because I did so much traveling that in those five years, even though I had a 10-year passport, all my pages ran out. 
right? So the only reason I had to go back to UK was to get a new passport. <laughs> <laughs> so I got my new passport and then I went back to Bali anyway. Mm. You know, and then what I started doing, now I knew what I was capable of and what I can do for businesses right? I started reaching out to my contacts because being in the events world, you have, you make a lot of different contacts. You mm. meet some different experts. So I was just reaching out to people and found that there was one person that has a company in Australia, which is down the road from Bali, right? That wanted to expand the events department. And I'm like, ding, 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 ding. That's me right there. Right. And so we had, did the intro, had a few phone calls, um, he flew me down, started developing his events department, and he was making good money. He was making like a million dollars a year, which isn't too shabby, right? He's got a, a small team of people, um, but he wanted to scale it. What can we do to make more, right? And there's different, different things I've put in place, training the team, um, hiring new members of staff. Now, the biggest challenge that I had here was the team didn't like change. No good. The team did not like change and they were my biggest like wall that I had to crack. Why can't we do things the way we've been doing it? It's been working fine all this time, right? Oh, no, we don't want to do this. And why does it have to? That was my biggest challenge. It wasn't. It wasn't trying to convince the CEO how we should do things. It wasn't that he wasn't paying me enough. It, none of that. It was the team. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something, this is where I learned so much about leadership now and communicating with people, right? And persuasion skills and all of this good stuff. Eventually the team came around. It, it took a long while, right? right? But when I said to the sales team, I'm here to put more money in your pocket. Would you like me to do that? They're like, yeah. Okay, so for in order for us to do that, this is what we need to do to now scale up right? It's being able to understand the language that they needed to hear, right? Not what I wanted to say particularly, but what they needed to hear to make these changes happen. Yeah, so not your haircut, their haircut. (laughs) Oh my goodness. And so we started making these changes and the team got bigger and bigger. We've implemented processes and procedures. And within four months, he made his first million. He didn't have to wait a year this time. He tripled his money in the year. Nice. Right. So I'm like, oh my God, I can do this. <laughs> right. And then I was like, why the hell am I doing it for everybody else then? Right. I need to be doing this for me. And so that's when Unsense Society was born. And, 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 and it was literally sort of whilst doing that, the name came up, the ideas came up. Was it keep sort of almost? It was talking to a lot of in people. terms of a concept. Obviously, there's lots of directions with it, but um. yes, I mean, it was talking to a lot of different people when the name came up because I told, I described to them what I was looking for. This is what I want to build, right? And we kind of went through different names and unsense society. I was like, that's the one. That's the one that clicks, right? Let's do it. And so I was like, okay, this is what it's going to be called. This is what we're going to be doing. Um, I decided to have pillars in the business, um, you know, sales, finance, operations, because all of that is combined in business. Without one, you you know, you you need to have them all, right? They're all important as each other. 
and so yeah that's where that was created and then as you know the podcast came later on yeah so it's all good stuff it's been a journey that's for sure <laughs> yeah. I mean a couple of things I noted down whilst you're talking through that which sort of reflect various things I mean one is that old adage of which hopefully people have heard of, but it, you, you've really made it very clear is that when you're recruiting people, recruit for attitude, not qualification. Yes, exactly. There were some good people that spotted your uh, abilities and didn't worry about what your actual experience was because that will come. You know what was really funny? One of my jobs, I was a bookkeeper, right, for a company. Haven't qualified as a bookkeeper or an account or any of that, so I've never did it right and there was other people going for that job but they hired me mm. right and I'm like why would you hire me I, I don't know how to do any of this stuff I'm like Sage what's that right <laughs> and, and they were like the reason we recruited you goes because we spotted that you're more of a team player you know how to communicate with the team like the team actually they I've only met them for like an hour and they're like they already love you you've got that personality and they said most accountants, most bookkeepers, they like to keep themselves isolated. They like to keep themselves to themselves. They just stay in front of the computer. They don't know how to communicate with the rest of the team, right? So I'm like, boom, personality, right? That, <laughs> like, so what I learned is that you don't need qualifications. You don't need experience. As long as you are a people person and you're willing to learn, you have that personality, people will hire you. Mm. and then to just to make that a little bit introvert when you work for yourself you're hiring yourself yeah and there's a lot of people out there that get worked up about how can I promote myself when I haven't got this haven't got that recruit for attitude not for qualifications so yeah. you've got to work on yourself be you you get yourself right and then the rest will come that's right and that's how I recruit now my team mm. like you probably met my um VA Chester yes email right he has no experience as a VA. He actually works in pharmaceuticals, mm -hmm. right? Um, he was made redundant. He said to me that he wants to learn how to do this, right? He's fully committed. He just needs to be taught and guided. And he's one of the best VAs I've ever had, right? Okay. And so not only has this happened to me, but I bring that into my recruitment as well, right? Like this guy that does, um, he's built my website. He's going to be managing my social media for me, doing YouTube optimizer. He's all this good stuff that I don't have a clue about, right? But he's great at it, right? He's an intern. He's still a student. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And <clears throat> I actually found him on Fiverr. He did a few bits and pieces for me, right? I was testing him out and he was producing like amazing results. And I said to him, I got into a conversation. I said to him, you know, what are you doing right now? He told me that he's an intern, he's a student, he's learning marketing, he loves marketing. That's what he, he lives for, he breathes for, right? And I said to him, what are you going to do after you finish your studying? And he goes, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll start my agency, maybe I'll do this. No, I go, why don't you come work for me full time? And he's like, really? I'm like, yeah, why don't you do it? I was like, you love what you're doing, you produce great results. I need someone like you. Right, come and work me full time. And he loves it. We're a great team. We get along. 
he goes over and beyond. He teaches me so many different things about, you know, different aspects of marketing and it just works, mm. right? And not only that, but I put a lot of time and energy to my team as well, right? We have that conversation. What is it that you want? What do you want to learn? What are your goals, right? Tell me so I can help you. Because mm. when you put time and energy and effort into your team, guess what? They stick around, right? And if there's any courses they want to do, I put them on courses. If there's events that's coming up that I feel like is great for their role, I get them on that event. Learn. Yeah. let's figure this out together so many so many times you hear people saying um i'm trying to recruit but i can't afford okay everyone's interested in, in in sort of like the biggest paycheck and that kind of stuff but the truth of the matter is is what you've just said there is if you give them enough value internally what you pay you got to get paid for something but they're not going to move somewhere else because they're getting paid more they will stay with you because they've got that uh, safety, not safety, isn't it? But they're challenged, they're pushed, they're motivated. Yeah, you're helping them grow. Yeah, exactly. And they'll get more there with you than they will at somewhere where they get paid twice as much, probably. Right. Um, so you've got okay. an employee for life. So um, I'm conscious of time because I know you need to be away. There was other questions I want to ask you. <laughs> we should talk about. We got time. Well, the other thing I just wanted to touch was I really loved your um, take on well, you sort of started with the beginning and it flew up again when you had about the politician with your negative minds, negative mindset about whatever. Right. Um, but I just love the fact that because there's, there's a lot of stuff in the industry about having a positive mindset and all this kind of stuff. But I like your approach on it being realistic. Mm. And, and that's often deemed as being a bad thing. But I've noticed with very successful people, when you look at like the top tennis players, the Formula One drivers, they are actually incredibly realistic. Yes. And you used to listen to Lewis Hamilton, for example, for races. Well, to be honest, I think the best we can do today is third or fourth. We'll do the best we can, that I think. And, and you, a, a, a guru on stage, well, oh, negative thoughts. He's planting a, uh, an opportunity to fail. No, he's realistic, knows what he can do, but he could have damn well push to the limit of what he needs to do. Right, right. I'll pick that on what you're talking in terms of, in terms of no, let's, let's deal with the reality, but internally generate that drive and push for it and work with what you've got. What I want to explain to people here is that when I'm saying, you know, let, let's look at reality, is not necessarily me just, you know, kind of going out there and say, let, let, you know, let's just look at reality, not be negative. It's because of information and data that I see in front of me. Sure. Right? When you can see that a lot more people um, are supporting a different party, the no I mean, numbers don't lie. <laughs> right? <laughs> numbers don't like i mean it can change right it can change overnight right in a, in a time of a week or whatever um but realistically how much more is that going to change is it going to change your way yeah right? it's like one of those tipping point things when does positive mindset so it tip over into delusion <laughs> <laughs> you're just bringing them back because you need to be positive in yourself and in intent you know, totally get the concept but it can go too far yes what you're doing, just bringing them back and exactly exactly i mean you still got to be positive right yeah. even when things are going wrong have a moment if you need to have a moment have a moment then then make sure you bring yourself back yeah you and know? this this and this is where the you know the positivity is within you it's not created from external results and remember i asked you earlier on whether um you you use that anger to 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 make good choices do you ever make bad choices or is it a case it kind of doesn't matter what choice you make 
you'll make good out of it. And that's actually what you described because you've got the confidence within yourself and the positivity within yourself. Doesn't matter what happens in the external world, you'll make the best out of it. Yeah, you, you got it because life is life. It's going to throw things at you. Mm. you know? um, and it's like you said, you can either become a victim or not. That's your choice. Everyone has choices. When people tell me, oh, I didn't have a choice because it was COVID. I didn't have a choice because I was made redundant. I didn't have a choice. Everyone has a choice, right? Now, if you are made redundant, look at that as a positive thing something that you know a job that you probably still be stuck in not be happy in that role now is an opportunity for you to learn something else to do something else to actually figure out what you want to do what makes you happy mm. how about looking at it that way yeah. <laughs> how many times i've met people being made redundant or whatever years later they go best thing that ever happened to me there you go. So like you with the, I've been, I'm being made homeless. Hooray. Now I've got to talk. <laughs> it's like, what do you need to do to make this the best thing that ever happened to you? And yes. that's the way to do it. So. Exactly. And there's a lot of things in that situation that I learned about myself that I, I wasn't too sure of. I didn't yeah. know what my capabilities were. Right. And it's not until you're kind of put in a hard place or, or you know, in the dark place that you kind of, you have to figure it out, mm. right? And so you learn a lot about yourself in those dark places than you would anywhere else. Sure. You know, so the more times you fail, right, the better it is for you because that's when you're going to learn more about yourself. And when you, you got to fail, you have to fail. There's no th such thing, right? In order to progress, you need to fail. And I say to people, fail and fail big bigger the failure the bigger the lesson yeah i guarantee you i'm never going to be homeless again it's never going to happen <laughs> yeah which therefore means there's no such thing as failure as you say because every failure is a success there you go right exactly and so and you got to also take risks you can't be scared of you know not taking risks and always want to be you know secure and safe and comfortable because again you're never going to be stepping out of your comfort zone to see what you are capable of mm. right when you stay in that comfort zone and also you're going to get loads of people like I did telling me I can't do things or I shouldn't be doing things is not the right thing to do right or or being a cheerleader and telling you you're never going to be able to do this right <laughs> and it's always going to be those people that you hold closest to your heart that tell you this and that's where it hurts the most but it's also down to you you have choices whether you're going to listen to those people or not and one thing that i need to make sure people take away on uh, on this episode is to realize the difference between advice and opinion okay there's no way in hell am I going to go to my mum, right, if my car breaks down, right? <laughs> Even though she'll be like, have you tried this and have you done that and have you looked at this and have, right? She'll be telling me all these things, but she's not an expert in that field. What she's telling me is opinion. If I really want to know what's going on with my car and how to fix it, you've got to go and take it to the mechanic. That will tell you that's an expert advice. You listen to expert advice and not just opinion, right? Let opinions go over your head. Love your parents for it. Love your mum for it. You know, accept them for who they are, but let it go over your head, right? And find actual expert advice. I think that's a good line to sort of 
bring us into sort of the wrap up and the final question for UK, which we need to ask everybody on the show. So pull it all together and and bring it forth in a in a way that feels natural to UK. What is it that makes your bits tingle? Oh, what makes my bits tingle? Do you know what it's? What makes my bits tingle is like the conversation we had earlier. When you plan, your goals are very specific. And when you come to that finish line after so many hurdles and it happens and you have those collaborations, you have those great clients, you have those partnerships and you're like, holy crap, finally, I did it. That's what makes my bits tingle, right? And I want to do it even more. <laughs> do it once, do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, if people need to find out more about um, what you're up to, what you're doing, where should they go? Where should they look for you? Um, they can go to my website, www.uncensorsociety.com. On there, you'll find a lot about the coaching programs that we have, um, a lot of coaching that we do. We're very raw, real and relentless. Um, you can, they can shoot me an email or they can use the contact page that's on there. Also, all my social media um, platforms are on there. So if they want to DM me, PM me, which, whichever way, um, they can do that and they can get hold of me that way as well. Brilliant. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on, Kate. It's been a fantastic uh, story, journey, but the learnings that come out from well has uh, been invaluable. So I hope uh, people listening get uh, get buckets from it because uh, I've, I've definitely enjoyed chatting with you and, and, uh, and picking out what you've uh, what you shared with us. So thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, I do have a question for you, though, before I go. OK. Is it OK if I give your listeners a gift? absolutely fine yes no yeah problem. okay awesome so if you go to my website again it's uncensoredsociety.com i've got some free resources there for you um there's three different ones there it helps with time management to see where your business is at right now um, and see how you can scale make sure you go ahead and download those resources um, and get started on there my favorite one is the time management one only because not only does it help with time management, but it gets you thinking specifically about what your long-term and your short-term goals are and where your habits are, right? Find out those habits that are serving you and no longer serving you. Because a lot of people have been telling me, oh, I haven't got time to do this. I haven't got time to build a business. I haven't got time to constantly be on social media. I haven't got time to do that. And when we sat down and worked out what they're doing with their time, guess what? They're watching Netflix for six hours a day right? And so if that's the kind of habit you have, then you won't be able to build your business. And so this particular um, program that I have, this free program on my website, actually helps discover what those habits are and what needs to be changed. Right? So go ahead and download those programs and get started with your business. Thank you, Kay. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, recommend everybody have a, have a look at that. And yeah, time management, all of those things, it's it, 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 it comes down to prioritizing and if you prioritize things correctly you can have whatever you want you've just got to want it exactly <laughs> thank you so much Andrew for having me on your show um really appreciate it. it's been fun um being on here as well and I hope so many of your listeners um grab some golden nuggets from this that's brilliant I've loved it and um I wish you all the best with the, uh, the new company with the, the podcast editing and uh, and uh, all the other bits as well obviously so um uh, yeah, thank you once again, and um, we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you. These podcasts are not necessarily here to give you all the answers. I want you to think about what's been said, what's come up, and how you might apply that to your own situation. And if you've enjoyed it, then 
please subscribe to the podcast and of course share it on the social media platforms and so more people get a chance to hear what's going on. Thanks very much for listening. My name's Andrew Miller from Business Enjoyment and I want you to enjoy your business so much it makes your bits tingle.